Move it. Move it. Move it. Yeah. Move it, Clark. Yeah. We can do this. Thank you, Simon Mayer. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I googled it earlier. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. I, I, I literally, I was just like, I wonder if they've interviewed or aren't. Yeah, they have. Yeah. Because you know, I normally like, um I normally Google people's names, and there's there's a specific website that always comes up, which is how to pronounce. It's like someone like, how do I pronounce or something? Yeah. And I always use that, and I'm like, and then I sit and I practice it for a little bit because yeah. I'm a nerd. Hello, welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Hello. That's my angel voice. Is it? Okay. Uh, that's how angels talk. Oh, okay. See, before I couldn't tell the difference, but now you've done that, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. In this episode, we're talking about the recently released psychological horror, Saint Maud, written and directed by Rose Glass and starring Moreth Clark. Yeah. Did I pronounce that right, Moreth? Morvith. Morvith. Sorry, Morvith yeah. Clark. Yeah. Yes. So, um, this is... An interesting one. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're back. Uh, we've had a bit of a hiatus. We're back. Yeah, but we've um, we've come back and we watched it. We went to go and see this film, which is out in UK cinemas at the moment. Um, and it is well. I don't know <laughs> how, how to describe it. Yeah, I think certainly something. Yeah, so it's been pitched as I think that the first thing to talk about is whether it's you know where would you put this how would you categorize it because it's been pitched as a horror film um and that's sort of the the vibe you get from the trailer and the poster and the way and like even you know there is there's mm. some quote going around about it being a horror classic but i think you said to me as we came out of it and i felt the same there were points in it where i was like this is a horror film yeah for a long time for a, for and a I good think, chunk of it yeah i think it's definitely something that we're gonna have to explore in maybe a spoiler section Mm. but yeah this was something that as i went in thinking this is going to be a horror film yeah like uh because the trailer sold it that way absolutely and it yeah, sold yeah. it as like a um you know like a body horror uh like a possession horror film mm. or something along those lines and i was like hey okay you know this will be it's be cool i like that sort of stuff and then you go in and it's it doesn't doesn't front load it with any sort of real horror you see some frightening and unsettling imagery and you see sort of the way that things are set up mm. is you're on edge yeah but it manages to hold you right on the cusp of that yeah right up until a point in the film yeah and you sort of start to understand how things are going and it's a real it's i would say it's like really early on it's a character study of these two women yeah um amanda and maud yeah and then you start to sort of really get into like maud's psyche and like where it goes from there but yeah it's i don't know it's like it's like a character study but it's also like a horror but it's also a psychological thriller but then yeah. there are body horror aspects to it and then there are uh i don't know it's like a psychological that's the I'd, I'd say psychological horror um in the yeah. sense that it is it's the horror of it is what's going on in someone's head um and that to me yeah. like that's always kind of been one of my because i'm not i mean we talked quite a lot about horror films in the last couple of weeks you and i um, because yeah. obviously this is tis the season and this will probably be our yes. um, Halloween special. So happy Halloween, everybody. Happy um, spooky day. Spooky day. Um, I'm not a massive like horror fan. It's probably the genre yeah. that I know the least about or I've seen the least of. But when I do watch horror yeah. films, my, if, if you were to ask me what my favourite horror film is, I'd probably say The Shining. Mm-hmm. But then the reason for that is the same reason why I like St. Maud so much is because it is a psychological horror in the sense that the the horror is not an external force. It's not something that is like a, a monster or some sort of outlandish thing. It is just a person living inside their own head 
and going mad and just and that is the most terrifying thing to me because it's real because that's what happens to people people you know psycho psychology and what can happen in your own mind is far more terrifying than any any sort of rubber monster do you know what i mean yeah but also like within this there's and you that's not to say that yeah there are some horrific and visually you see some shit in this film like i'm not saying like it's not entirely completely cerebral there are things that are seen but the things that you're seeing are a manifestation of this what's going on in this woman's brain essentially um yeah well, that's the way i that, read it anyway i mean that, and that's are, and that's the thing there are definitely different ways to read this yeah absolutely there are ways that you can sort of sit back and go okay this is about x and this is about y and well you know we're we're not we're being very coy about this but there is a point in this film where um it's not exactly going to follow as a big surprise but there is a point when very early on Maud says that she communicates with god yeah and that she is a recent uh convert to catholicism yes and then it's the physical effect that she receives from feeling that god is there or that he's acting through her puts her in this state of like ecstasy almost and it gets to something that i'm going to get to a bit later as well but um yeah like you say the manifestation of the horror that is existing within that and the way that it slowly inch by inch builds up yeah but then also it's an exercise in not just the horror that exists within our head, but the, the, the horror and the fear and like horror is the wrong word for it because horror tends to be the sort of the response to something to, so, so the stimulus in itself is frightening or fearful or scary. Whereas the actual circumstance is where the horror comes from. So the horror reaction comes from, seeing her responses to things that are happening in her life so like the fact that she's so lonely and so isolated and it's that's really nailed down in uh the the way that it's shot where she lives that she lives in this tiny little one room yeah apartment that's just a bed and a kitchen and a chest of drawers yeah and that's it mm. you know she doesn't live in a you know in, in like a house share with uh, with with people and she doesn't actually interact she interacts with probably three or four people in a meaningful way yeah. uh or in a tangible way throughout the entire film and it's an extraordinarily small cast oh yeah and <clears throat> the other thing to say about but, it as well is how short the film is yeah it's like it's, 84 minutes or something yeah, it's, not, it's not even a, a, an hour and a half long um, but the amount, yeah, the amount they're able to get across and sort of, mm. and, and yeah, and, and the, the, amount, the amount of tension they're able to build up and all the rest of it is, is incredible. And, you know, like I say, character study, which is essentially what this is. Um, yeah. And for a start, I think, it, I mean, this is a, a debut director, writer's director, Rose Glass, um, who was sort of... Yeah, picked, so this is her first feature, isn't it? So yeah. she's done she's done shorts before but this is her first actual feature yeah um and more than clark is also someone who is um like up and coming like she's so literally i was just um sort of looking up her imdb the next thing that we're probably going to end up seeing her in is uh the lord of the rings tv show oh really yeah she's been casting that so she's currently in new zealand um filming that oh shit okay yeah, yeah. i didn't that, even realize that was filming yet so yeah no, they're in new zealand they're filming that that's that's what's happening right now um so that's that and but you may recognize she's been in a couple of things like the last night i think i recognized her from um his dark materials um mm. and she like again for both of these both the writer director and for more clark this is their like statement coming out sort of you know movie this is like holy shit these are two people to watch going yeah. forward because her performance is incredible and the way this is this film's been crafted and written and directed is unreal um and these are going to be people who go on to make some amazing stuff i'm sure oh absolutely 
Like, I've no doubt that Rose Glass, if she continues to make this sort of um, film, I mean, not even necessarily uh, horror or this, but this level, we've got somebody that's like a, um, oh, I've forgotten his name now. Steve McQueen? The chap that did, uh, no, the chap that did uh, The Favourite. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos? Yeah. So he's the guy that did like The Lobster and uh, The Favourite and uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. So yeah. it's like, uh, and like also, but somebody like Ben Wheatley as well. So yeah. the guy that did like High Rise and Kill List. Kill List is the film that closest, that sort of came closest to reminding me I mean, of this. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if we should, she should be too much like Ben Wheatley because you've seen what he's just been signed up for. No. Um, he's going to be making the sequel to The Meg. Oh dear! I'm not. I'm not kidding. That is what he's doing. Oh. Okay. Well. So maybe she. Maybe he might not be the best career trajectory for her to follow. But okay. <laughs> that's that's really weird. Like, yeah, I know. And he's. And I know the, um, his. I know his career the, is like. Uh, he's got like a mixed bag of things yeah. that he does. Yeah. But this is but the the Meg too. Yeah, but Meg also, harder, but it's okay because he's also doing um, the Tomb Raider sequel with Alicia Vikander. No, he's not because that's been indefinitely uh, put on hiatus. Has it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, he's he's definitely doing the Meg then. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm I'm really glad that he's doing that and not some other like frightening think piece of like trauma film instead of horror about one person's descent uh again like if you've if i don't know if you've seen kill list but um no. yeah it really 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 reminded me of this um and yeah like i saw it and i was like i was when you were driving me home and i was like okay okay especially in the way that sort of things are sequenced and um yeah but like some of the stuff that i want to talk about is sort of like some of the messages that lie in this because Mm. we are looking at things where she's um there's a point that you would expect within any film where somebody who is religious has a crisis of faith correct yeah I mean, you can't, um, you can't talk around it any more than we have. It's like the faith and Catholicism and, and religion is a ma- massive thing in this in this movie. Yeah, um, and it's gonna depending on how you feel about that or your own personal convictions is you know how mileage will vary on this. Um, yeah. It's not it's yeah. not necessarily a um, positive depiction of religion. I wouldn't say. Um, I mean, no. Not necessarily. Um, I yeah. think it issues the um, I, well. In fact, I think what it does is it gives an impression of religion that's not whole. No, I don't. I don't think it's making like a broad speech about religion. What I think it's making a broad speech about the psyche of this young lady. Yeah, and whether um, you know, then there there are parts that question that you because you're going in to see this film. You're addressing something in the film you're like oh she's going mad or is she because i'm going to see a horror film yeah yeah, yeah and that's true. one of the things that kept me going is that i was like you know like clearly she's mad clearly she's well it's not that she's mad like clearly she's suffering like a psychological break because of loneliness and well a combination of isolation and this mysterious event that happened in the past that shan't be spoken of yeah, and it's Which interesting how see no, a no, little bit of that's the thing we don't. I think what's more, more interesting to me is not so much that because they, there's the they hint at this idea of a traumatic past, and we don't necessarily ever see it. No, but the thing that gets me is that they it's the conversion. It's the fact that they talk about that she's like a recent convert because the you know yeah. initially you think of it as being like oh she's like she's massively religious the, the film starts with her praying and there's a voiceover dear god i hope you'll reveal your you know thing you know your purpose your for, for me your, soon and all this sort of stuff mm. and you're immediately my mind anyway when when you 
come across you know characters like that or people like that is that it's something from childhood they've been raised like yeah. that so that's you assume that's the case and then you find out not too long into the movie that, that actually no she was something completely different and you find mm-hmm. out a little bit more and a little bit more as the film goes on about how she basically yeah she was almost a completely different person and then became this very religious and to a point where it dominates her entire life i thought we would see that i thought we would see the moment when god came to her as as she saw it why that yeah. of all the things that you could attach yourself to if you've had no previous inclination towards it why is yeah. that particular catholicism and all the rest of it but we don't well that's that's the thing about um so the thing about religion is that especially with catholicism is it's kind of deemed to be like the default if you believe in god as god and jesus as jesus if you believe in them specifically as is writ you're catholic because if you become dedicated to that religion that's what you do you then go fully into that that's why you know you can't like you half step into religion yeah okay okay yeah but i'm not like i'm not one of those mad ones i just believe that god's on my side or anything like that but i think that somebody that has had a traumatic circumstance and from what's alluded to uh a not a very nice um upbringing yeah then you go um yeah and and that that's where it's going to lead you because it is it's it's a dogma for you to apply to your life it yeah. gives you that point of focus it gives you that control it allows you to go because it does promise you everything it's not like christianity where you sort of you know we have to wait until after you die to go to heaven you can repent you can do confession you can sit down and talk and you can as we see in this um there is uh it's like it's punishment it's um i don't know what yeah i can't remember this can't remember the word for it um but yeah like you say like she has to sort of pay penance because she's either done or thought impure things and that she feels this physical reaction when god is with her and then when he's not she gets this pain which she then has to like continue to like self-flagellate almost in that she self-harms yeah yeah and this this is shown in the trailer again this is shown in the trailer so it's not we're not spoiling anything here so you would have seen this if you watched the trailer but one of the other things that you see is that the way that she acts out in her loneliness is gives an indication of where she was before and before she became this pious um you know sort of person who's just absolutely dedicated to god and has a like an almost physical relationship with god mm. and that but you see that how she did this before because like they there's they keep alluding to the fact that she was out all the time or she was going out and she was with this guy and oh i always saw you out and Oh, you yeah. were always out and stuff like that. So you, it kind of, and when you see that what she's doing when she's out and that she has this um, sort of free morals about sexual activity and, but she's not getting anything out of this. She's just doing something for attention or to not be on her own. Yeah. It's, and that is the crisis of confidence piece. And, and again, like I think, some of the most affecting scenes in this have got nothing to do with the the horror. It's just like that loneliness, like, um, mm. you know, the sequence where, yeah, she goes out and she's just sat on her own in a, in a pub. But there's this, this really heartbreaking moment that got to me, which is where she was like, there was a group of people sat on a table next to her and they were laughing and she tried to start laughing along with them. And they all yeah. just sort of look at her like she's a bit of a weirdo. And she's just like, she's so desperate just to be part of that group, to be part of something like a group of friends or, or yeah. anything and she just can't do it. And it's, 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 it's really sad. It's, it's really sad. It is um, really sad. And that's the thing. And it's, you look at the fact that the first thing that she does when she's in there is she sits on her own, she takes her coat off and she's wearing a very, um, 
she's wearing a lovely dress and it's quite revealing, but it's quite revealing. And then yeah. she makes eye contact with a man and then she goes off to engage in sexual activity. Yeah. But then she just immediately comes back and sits down and it's just this meaningless interaction that she's, it's like she feels that she needs to do that. Yeah. And then it continues to happen. Then she starts having this episode when she's out and then this leads into further sort of um, poor decisions into what she's doing. And then that again, this further activity from there again, shed some insight into her past. So that, like the, the thing that, is seeded there is like you can see what her past was and you can see that as soon as god is away from her life she immediately retreats back to who she was yeah and she's just desperate for that attention and desperate for companionship and desperate to find someone to be with somebody and to yeah. have that interaction and that's the saddest thing for me is that you know that she feels that she has to go out and engage in you know uh, like well somewhat dangerous sexual activity with someone just so that she can have some sort of attention and some sort of engagement with somebody on a one-to-one level yeah because i mean the fact that she's not feeling or getting anything out of it herself yeah because i mean that's the the central um, relationship for a good chunk of the, the particularly the, the the first act of the movie is between her and this person she's caring for amanda mm. um and that's the thing with i think that that's part of the reason why it starts with that is because and part of the reason why that is what she does for a living is because they are very intense emotional relationships that are formed between a carer and someone who's receiving palliative care yeah. who's preparing for the end of her life and that is the 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 starting point of this whole movie is that she she gets in her head that as someone who is um who is you know religious and all the rest of it she feels that it's her duty to save this woman's soul before she yeah. so she she starts sort of imposing her religion and her her um dogma if you like on this woman and her life and takes it too far um i won't spoil exactly what happens but yeah that is that's kind of the impetus for that starts everything off from there yeah and it's really interesting in the way that the We, like, like we were saying about the relationship side of things, like it, it, it does really lead into like, there's like an erotic nature to it as well. Yeah, because it's this sense of like, like a jealousy and, uh, and then, yeah, it becomes, because there, there's this underlying thing throughout the whole thing where it's like, there's, she has this relationship with God, but it's like you say, it is almost like there's this, there's this underlying thing of sexuality throughout the whole thing. Mm. Um, to a point where when she feels this connection with God, she essentially, from like, has you know an orgasm as far as i can tell yeah. like you know that's how she experiences god and um, that's how she describes it and that's what we see so and that's the thing and she describes she, it as like waves of yeah like a feeling that comes in waves and then you see it at a point where she starts to experience and you go oh this is an orgasm yeah and uh, then so then amanda who's with her is seems to be going through this as well mm. but it's it's revealed that you know the, the the way that this whole messaging that sort of sits around this is a bit there's like strong emotions there about like female sexuality and is is this due due to like a repress a repression that she's feeling here like is she is she acting out out of like you were saying like is it envy that she's acting out of when she confronts Amanda's lover is this something that lives within this and is she mistaking the intimacy that she has as a carer for the intimacy of a lover or somebody in a relationship yeah um, and that was one of the things that really struck struck me was that this this relationship was so powerful and then something happens and it's quite traumatic but it's very sudden yeah and that's one of the things that i'll sort of say about this film is that there are sudden sudden reactions with sudden consequences yeah exactly things turn very quickly um yeah and when they do turn they turn instantly and and jarringly so yeah and then yeah so i mean characters who you've spent time you know things 
situations change so quickly, then suddenly you, what you're watching is completely different. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's not to say, uh, not to spoil anything, but yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I love this film, by the way. Oh no, I knew you would. I know, I knew you would, yeah. and everything about it is you all over. Um, yeah. Like I, was, but saying that there was a point when I was like, as I was going I, through, and I yeah. was like, oh, okay. Well, it's because it, I, I, I do feel like it has been slightly missold. Um, oh really? Well, no. Well, I think oh, that's a part of what you were saying. You know, there was a time in the sort of middle of it where it was like, well, this isn't a horror film. It's a yeah. good film. It's a, it's a, it's a drama. I'm watching. It's a drama that I'm watching about a young woman, like. To the, like, I kind of feel that the other things that it reminds me of, in terms of you know, you know, genres and things to compare it to, reminds me a little bit of um, like Black Swan. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't that, think of that, but that makes perfect sense. Because again, Black Swan is just it's a it's a woman's yeah going mad essentially, isn't it? It's Natalie Portman who, who you know playing a ballerina, but there are times when you see these horrific like you know body horror sequences. But again, it's yeah. just all in our own head. So would you, if you would call Black Swan a horror film, then I think you can say Take Maud is also a horror film on yeah. the same basis almost. Um, and similarly, I mean, even you know, more recent things, things like Joker is a, is a psychological character study about man going mad. And this, this, this yeah. is kind of, in a way, similar. Um, and that sometimes yeah. manifests itself in a horrific, violent way. Um, but yeah, it really, it's a character study, and really, it's it's about you know the nature of loneliness and the things people will do to try and get out of that. That you know what they'll dedicate themselves to, how they'll beat themselves up, both mentally and physically, in some cases. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's like it's a, it's a story about it's you know psychological pressure that you put on yourself. Um, and loneliness and, and yeah it's just yeah it's really powerful really powerful thing but I, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. call it, I wouldn't um, when describing it I, I don't know I wouldn't say oh it's a horror film no because this is a new horror film that's just been out that's that's reductive almost to call it that yeah and that's the thing especially when like and that's not I'm not saying this in a um, malicious way but when you get films that are being produced by the Blumhouse model that are horror films, mm. and then you get something like this that's a horror film, it's just a different level. Yeah. This is much more of a deconstruction of horror as a genre and relying on your own sort of sensibilities and your own expectations of horror films that you've seen before that might lure you in. And then when there is that turn that exists in this film when something happens you go oh fuck holy shit yeah um yeah and i think i maybe we'll do a little spoiler tag but i do feel that this this probably should yeah this film i will last thing to say before we do that um it must have one of the best mic drop um endings i've ever seen (laughs) just in terms Uh... of yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about exactly what it is after the spoiler tag, but just in, yeah, like as a sort of flat, leave you with your, your mouth open, like, <gasps> like just completely speechless as it cuts to black and the, and the, uh, the credits start rolling. It's great. Yeah, it's up there as one of the best I've ever seen. Um, yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I can't, I can't really say anything else. Like, there is, like you say, the ending defies expectation in a different way than like yeah i we'll think we should it. talk about this more post spoilers we'll do a yeah. little post spoilers thing and then we'll talk about it um but, but generally yeah. um it's, it's very very original it's one of the things that i desperately needed from cinema at the yeah. moment because yeah. as you like i was you know having a bit of a existential crisis myself about cinema and about films and just because you know the lockdown effect of everything being cancelled or shifted or moved or yeah. put out to streaming and stuff like that is sort of had like weighed pretty heavy on me and it sort of really brought me down a bit about sort of films and cinema mm. but this was almost exactly what i needed as like an antidote to that because it is something that eschews all of your expectations that you might have 
yeah, going it kind of to... it comes kind of full circle because it's the same production company who did um, the Lighthouse. Yes, that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about. I've literally got a list here yeah. of A24. Um, they call it, don't they? Yeah. So um, this is just films, by the way. So they've done Spring Breakers and the Bling Ring, um, Under the Skin, and Enemy. Both Enemy and Under the Skin are two of my uh, like low key favorite films. Like I need to watch. Under the Skin. I haven't seen either of them, but I need to watch them. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Enemy has a very similar sort of ending. Yeah. In the way that it does something that you won't see coming. Yeah. And it's jarring. And it's the credits. It happens, then the credits happen, and you just go, well, now I don't know what to fuck, what the fuck to believe here. Yeah. I don't know what is happening. Um, Under the Skin is a really, really dark, really sort of strange science fiction film. Um, we've got, uh, they did like Lock, which is the, the film with Tom Hardy, which is just him set in a Land Rover. Um, yeah. On the phone, they did um, Tusk by Kevin Smith, uh, Most Violent Year. They did Ex Machina, Barely oh, Lethal. Shit, yeah. End of the Tour, Mississippi Grind, uh, The Witch, uh, The Lobster. There we go. There's another sort of example, Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, so they do these really sort of strange, mm. frightening films. Oh, they, it comes at night. Yeah. That's, so, oh, are, they, are they the highbrow um, Blumhouse? Yeah, they're like highbrow horror because they've done like Killing of a Sacred Deer. They've done It Comes at Night. Uh, they did Free Fire. They've done all these like amazing, amazing films. Like, there's some crap in there as well. They also did Hereditary, oh, sure. uh, mid nineties, yeah, uh, Midsummer. Um, yeah, they've done like The Lighthouse, yeah, and yeah, and Uncut Gems as well. So they've done like they are well versed in like getting behind these strange frightening pictures mm. and I am a hundred percent here for it every day. Yeah. Because yeah, like I'm saying, like I, some of my top films, like, like I keep saying to you about it, it comes at night. Like it's just a film that left me. Um, I found myself sitting well I was sitting down when I was watching the film obviously and then there's a sequence in the film where I found myself standing up walking closer to the television with my hands on my head and I was hyperventilating <laughs> because it's just a, if you watch that film on your own in the dark it's just incredible like there are things that happen with it and the performances are really understated and the everything within it is very similar to this in a way yeah but it's um yeah okay. so if you don't right. see this if religion isn't your thing go and see um a film about people being locked in their houses because uh, and not being able to go out because it's the end of the world because there's some sort of virus that's going around it's not going to set anybody off or trigger anyone or make anyone that's uncomfortable it's exactly what we need right now it's some sort of escape oh, yeah. you know yeah, it's the perfect film for that. It's really expansive. It's not claustrophobic. It's just really nice. It's like watching Mary Poppins 2. <laughs> Except everything. Except for everything else about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only issue is it doesn't have Lin-Manuel Miranda in it. So no. um, that's why it's only a 9 instead of a 10 from me. <laughs> okay. All right, well, on that note, then, um, we'll leave it here uh, for the pre-spoilers bit. Um, and we'll, if you guys want to stick around and hear what we thought about all the specifics surrounding St. Maud and the ending and all that kind of stuff, then stick around. Yeah. Otherwise, um, we will see you on the next one. We're going to be... Actually, yeah, I'll save it for the... I think I know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about um, Train to Busan 2 uh, yes. Peninsula, which is the exact complete opposite end of the spectrum from, of horror films. So that's going to yep. be really interesting. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen Train to Busan, go watch that as well. That's another uh, recommendation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's just do a quick spoiler tag to talk about the ending of St. Maud. 
Yes, let's. Some more ending. That was um, pretty abrupt, wasn't it? Fuck me again. Yeah, mic drop. Jesus Christ! And it just and it like it just cuts to black. So fuck. And it, well, it's not so much. It's just it's the combination of the two things. There's two like crazy fucking scenes that happened at the end of this movie. Um, and one is when she yeah she goes back to see Amanda. Um, yeah. And that is intense. Like. Yeah, it's a bit much. <laughs> so it was. It was the moment. That was the moment that it flipped the switch for me. Right. Okay. Because that's quite late. I mean, that's late in the game, isn't it? That's very late. But also, that's the point. That I was like, "Yeah, it's a horror film." Yeah, but well, that's you're talking about the last ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean, to, pretty to, much. Yeah. For it to switch genres in the, in the last ten minutes is a bit of a, is a crazy. Think point. about how brave that is. Yeah, so it's the fact that, like you say, yeah, it's like really late into the third act, and it does this sudden genre flip very quickly. Yeah. You go right, this is a horror film, and then it flips back, and you go right, this is psychological horror. It's real. And, everything you do and then very it's, real. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, right, well, this, and then there's the sequence where she wakes up the next morning. Yeah, and you're like, right, yeah, yeah, she's gone. Yeah, but I mean, they do they do lead up to. I think there is there are moments where it leads up to that. But again, like so, like there's the moment where you hear the voice of God, um, and yeah. as as we've always suspected, God is a Welshman um, <laughs> because he speaks. So was he speaking Welsh? That was Welsh. Yeah, was it? Yeah, that was Welsh. Um, so <clears throat> so he's speaking in. I didn't um, want to presume. No, in the Welsh language. Um, so that's the whole thing. Um, but then, yeah, so that is like a credit. So there's that, and then there's also there's a sequence earlier in, or a little bit earlier where she floats or seems to, you know, levitate off the floor. Mm-hmm. So you, you're already starting to see these freaky, otherworldly things. And then that probably comes to a head in this scene with Amanda at the end. And then the, the scene where she wakes up afterwards, that's when things are getting real fucked up. Yeah. And um, that was that was part of the point that I was like, I'm very, very much on board with this film because you are, they were selling us one thing early on and then, well, they sold us one thing with the trailer that didn't really seem to present itself until act three. Mm. And then you go, Oh shit. Okay. This is what it is. It is this thing. Yeah. And then it pulls that back really, really quickly, like neck breakingly jarringly. And you go, fuck, I, I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah. And that's part of the genius of this film is it makes you question so much of what you thought was real in the yeah. same way that she would. And that's that's the thing that, again, it, it reminds me a little bit of things like Joker, where it's, it's an unreliable narrator. You, like, yeah. you have to try and discern for yourself what is real and what is in her own head. And particularly in yeah. the scenes, like the early scenes with Amanda, there are sequences where you're trying to figure out, like, is this just more projecting or saying what she wanted to say or doing what she wanted to do, or is this actually real? And they yeah. always, whenever something like happens for real, they're always very good at like showing you the consequences. So again, we're up past the spoilers now. So there is a point where, yeah. Um, yeah, literally she's confronted by Amanda about, you know, her trying to sort of mess with her life um, and taking the whole, Oh, you're my savior thing too, literally. And more punches her straight in the face. Yes. And, and then, and again, you'll think, given the way the things have been presented to you up to that point, you're going, sure, that didn't really just happen, did it? And then it just cuts to the next scene, like again, very, very abruptly, and she's being like fired and being told yeah. that she can't go back to work anymore. You go, oh no, 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 that happened. That was real. You just thought that that was real. Like they, they don't, yeah. They never. There are certain things where they don't pull the punch and they they sort of let you know that right, this is the real thing. And the, the ending. Um, which we still haven't even said what the ending is yet, um, but the ending is no. a very similar thing where they go, no, 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 this is real, and then and then the fucking film ends, and like, just, oh shit! So the ending to to get into it, I mean, we may as well now. Is yeah. so after she has this scene with Amanda where they Amanda reveals that you know tries to explain to her that there's no such thing as God. Um, I was faking before when I I pretended that I could feel him. 
I'm sorry, I hate to be the one to break this to you, but there's nothing there. And then, but she does it in like a really exhausted and overly direct way. She does yeah. it with any, without any sort of sensitivity whatsoever. But that's another one of those moments where it's just like, is again, where the, I would have to watch the scene and everything again. But where, what's the point where it becomes Maud's head takes over? Do you know what I mean? Because then what, what basically happens then is that um, Amanda sort of just goes further and further into, into this sort of, you know, break, breaking down Maud's faith and to the point where she, she becomes this monstrous demon thing and says, you yeah. know, look how easy it was for me to break your faith. You, you're so weak. Look how yeah, you just, you abandon it, like whatever, it doesn't suit you. And, and then Maud like freaks out at this, this monster in front of her and stabs her to death. Calls, calls her the devil. Yeah, you are the devil, and and again, she's she's depicted, and the things she's saying are like it's a last temptation of Christ sort of thing, where it's like, is mm. this is just a test of your faith if you believe me or not? But yeah, it's, there's, because there's it's at this to... point that she's been told by God mm. that she knows what she has to do. Yeah, she goes up there, and she's after got, like, God has abandoned her, her and yeah. she goes out, and she first of all just randomly gives that guy. A handjob yeah. just in the side door. And yeah, because that's just a standard thing that happens at British pubs. We've all been yeah. there. <laughs> and um, and the then the next, and then brilliant. Um, yeah, round of picture and piano. Um, round of picture piano. The Queen's Ed, mate. Queen's Ed. No, but it's be, be the, uh, the, uh, the tap. <laughs> the tap. The George. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone's got a George. Everyone's got a George. The market. market, down the market. Oh, no, down the market, mate. No, she knocked me off. <laughs> oh god, um, that. <laughs> fucking shandy, weren't it, mate? Um, but yeah, and then like the first thing she, and then like yeah, immediately within turning up at this um, pub, like she's there. She, it's made very clear that she's drunk. Like one sip of her pint before she catches this guy's eye and takes him out, takes him out the back. Yeah. And then she comes back, tries to sort of assimilate herself in like normalcy with this conversation who quickly sort of shun her. Yeah. And then that causes her to have like a small break. And at that point she then bumps into somebody else. Yeah. And again, it's like you say, it's like these actions having consequences immediate in the real world. Yeah. Because it's yeah, that immediate they... effect that he she bumps into him and he says oh you owe me a drink you owe me a drink and then that's it yeah and then the and next thing you know yeah they're having sex yeah um, and yeah, I it's think not that's, that's... nice because it's like, it's very clear that she's not having a good time she doesn't want to be there she doesn't want to do this but she's got this urge about not being alone and that yeah, and that's suppose... honestly that was for me that was like one of the saddest scenes in that she was there and you could tell that it was just this loneliness and isolation. She knew, she knew that she could have some form of a connection by doing this for this guy, and that's the only way that she would be able to get that. And yeah, that's one of the things that made me so sad. Mm. And then she has another break. Yeah. Um, and you think, okay, this is her. And then th that is like a really telling moment because you go, oh, actually, all of this stuff that she's doing is escapism from the religion and escapism from what she's trying to do is she's trying to get away from something and she's replacing it with dogma, the Catholic dogma of absolute devotion to God. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what you can draw a line. And it's interesting that as a concept, I guess, is that, you know, we talked about it earlier about the, the way she experiences God and it happens a couple of times early in the movie and it, it appears for all intents and purposes that she's having is a sexual reaction. She's having, she's having an yeah. orgasm, and then it's interesting that when they talk about what she was like before, she would go out and that, like the guy says, "Oh yeah, you you slept with my mate," and then she goes out and again, she the way she's trying to reconnect or or get something is through sexual activity, through you know getting yeah. off with this guy and then and taking him back. So it's almost like the religion because it has that effect on her, and you know she has that is her way of experiencing an orgasm. That's yeah. how it's replaced her previous sort of hedonistic, 
um, lifestyle whereby she would just go out and, and sleep with guys. That, that was what she would do before. Now she's got God and God gives her that. It's a sexual release she gets. It's almost about, you know, yeah. a, again, this subtext throughout the whole movie about this being sort of female sexual repression almost. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what she's getting, you know, part of what she's getting out of her religious um and that's reflected in Amanda as well, because you see that Amanda has this male suitor that she's been uh, keeping at arm's length. Who's she says, "Oh, he's always wanted to sleep with me." And yeah. um, they have a big foot. Like he gets her drunk, and it's it's sort of implied that it's so he could take advantage of her, and yeah. she doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And then you realise that Amanda's gay, and then there's suddenly this this big barrier in place because Maud was, this is, you know, shown after almost a montage of sorts of this blissful existence that Amanda and Maud have. And then all of a sudden when she realizes she's gay, that's almost where it changes. Yeah. But it's never fully addressed. But at the same time, it's not addressed because she even says like, I don't know whether she's a bigger or whether she's jealous. Yeah, like this thing. Would it have been? Would it have played out the same way if it was a? It was a guy who was coming to see her. Is it the? So because what happens is, yeah, she has this lover, this this young girl who comes to see her and spends the evenings with her. But, but then part of that is that Ward sees her counting money in the morning. So yeah. she knows there is a transaction going on here. Whether yeah. she and there's a sex worker, there's sort a sex of worker, a prostitute or something like that. There is. It's not a. And that I think could be the thing that more takes objection to. And it's interesting that, you know, even little things that they hint at about like, what, who's your saint? And she says, it's Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And things like that. So you can read more into that from there. And again, like it, it's amazing to me, like the, the amount of conversation you and I have had and all the rest of it, just from a 84 minute movie, there are so many exactly. things layered in there and there. It's crazy. And again, as and this, is, so, like, this is the first script done. this woman's ever written. Yeah. They're so cleverly done and so tactfully done and so thoughtful almost. And it, yeah. it is this, like, like you say, it is this sort of bizarre. And they all, well, not, all not so much bizarre, but it's like this bizarre connection between the horror and the uh, and the eroticism that's in there as well. But also the the physical aspect of the love side of things, like the the non sexual love. Yeah. And because, you know, Maud is largely sexless up until the point that you realise that what she was like, or what's implied that she was like before. Yeah. And it's never overt with anything. It lets you very much make your own sort of tact on it and make your own opinion on it and make your own thoughts. But all the pieces are laid out, but they're just delicately done. Yeah. And I think in the hands of a lesser director everything would have been we would have seen extended flashbacks of her leaving with different men every night or or be doing what she was doing but on a grander scale and you know it yeah. would have been something i don't know i think it wouldn't have been done with the the tact and sensitivity that saint maud did yeah i think that that's what's sort of amazing about it like, in terms of how tight everything is because i think the, the the payoff that you need that it needs to have is in that final scene when she goes to Amanda and she's they're having this conversation. And it's the ambiguity in where does Amanda end and the the demon creature that she turns into begin. Yeah. And I can't tell. Like I can't tell where you know more this is something that Amanda's actually saying and where it's more becoming, you know, projecting onto her. And that is almost that is the point of the whole film. The, the, everything that we were up to, you know, everything we've, we've seen is to create that that uncertainty in us by the time we get to that final sort of confrontation. Um, yeah. And it does that masterfully. And I think like if they were to have done things like have like the flashbacks of her leaving with Met, all the rest of it, it would have undermined that somewhat. Um, because you, maybe you'd, you'd have a different opinion about you know how reliable you think she is as a narrator or, or whatever. Yeah, but also but, it, 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 it would demystify it it would take away the the yeah the but also it would allow you to bring in your own sort of sensibilities and yeah sort true. of aversions as well so if you were to see the way that it did it at this point there's there's implication there that she was they keep saying oh you were always out 
you yeah. were always you know out and about you were always oh we always knew you you always well, saw you around the, the and you that, but again they um they do a great job of just of laying the groundwork before they even get to the oh you were always out there's the point when we first start to realize that how unreliable she is where she's walking down the street and someone starts shouting katie katie yeah and we realize and her real name isn't even Maud. Like yeah. not only like yeah, this, that's the first indication that there were about her life before, and it's the massive thing that she changed her name. It's not like a little yeah. subtle thing like someone treating her slightly differently or recognizes her. She recognizes her as someone else with literally yeah. a different name, and that's when the first that's the first seed, and then we get more later on. Again, such a well-written film. <laughs> yeah, and then and but also then the the, the fact that it leads you off in a different direction in that part as well, because it starts saying about what happened when she was yeah. working at this other hospital. Yeah. Again, and she yeah. said, and, and that's where the chain, and you're like, right. So I made that connection in my head that that's when she stopped becoming being Katie. And when she became Maud mm. and, Oh wait, did she do that because she did something bad? Yeah. And then, but that ties into the, cause the opening scene of the movie, it's not really a scene. It's like a little vignette, isn't it? It's this tiny little sequence you see where it's her in the corner of a, what looks like a medical facility and then, you know, sort of sobbing or having a, a moment and seeing this cockroach on the, on the ceiling. And then that's it. And then it cuts. And but also it's, the, the, the intro is actually, you're seeing the, the corpse. Yeah. You're seeing the aftermath you're seeing, of something, but we don't know what. Yeah. And her hands are, covered in blood yeah and you're like okay and then you see this cockroach which is thematic throughout the film as sort of is the cockroach the appearance of god that's what i was yeah i thought is the cockroach god because then you're like right it's a cockroach so actually and then again that issues your expectations because you're like is this god appearing to her because that's what you would think is how she's perceiving it at this stage but then you're like it's a cockroach so maybe maybe she's being possessed by the maybe she's is the devil because god isn't doesn't have like a particularly sexual uh presence but the devil does and or or, or satan does and you know and it's these sort of questionable oh is 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 she sort of escaping her sin and by this presence being there or and but yeah, again, it's like there's so much tied into it and tightly woven that it, yeah, it's fantastic. Like yeah. honestly, I've been thinking about every time I think about it, I'm like, oh, there's this different thing that's also amazing. Yeah. But also, this is 88 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And an um, ending that truly, truly sticks with you. Yeah. So I mean, we haven't even got. We still haven't even got to it. So at the end. So we have the scene no. with Amanda. And yeah, she turns into some sort of demon and um, and more like reacts to that and kills her. Um, and that's the they have very... a fight, don't they? Like Maud is thrown across the room. Yeah, well, that's that's how again, like we have to try or and figure how it out. Appears to be. It appears that she's thrown across the room. We know for a fact this woman is literally on her deathbed. She's not like she doesn't have physically able to do that. So whether that's something yeah. that actually happened or is something that more manifest, we don't know. Anyway, the result is, and again, they have this amazing, another cut back to reality moment where after Maud stabs her with these scissors, we, it cuts back to this is what's really going on. And you see this woman bleeding out in the bed and she's, she's dying. And no, she's not a demon. She's just Amanda. And yeah, yeah, this is what's happened. This is the consequences of what's going on in your head. But yeah, then they, but then also yeah. like you, you're, you're sort of the understanding and you go, oh, well, you know, the, yeah, the demon's gone now because... Yeah, you can read it that way. Yeah, we're just left. We're we're left with Amanda now. Yeah, you can read it that way. Um, But then, what? Yeah, what follows for the scene after that is um, she. Yeah, she wakes up the next morning, and there's you see some sort of weird light thing going on in in the mirror, and then it, it pans out, and she now has these angel wings. Yeah. So she feels like she's done by you know, exercising this demon, she now feels like she's fulfilled her purpose. Um, or, you know, she feels like she's ascended into some sort of, like, she, again, she, she is taking what she's done as the right thing to have done. She's not feeling guilt about it. No, it, it, she so, knows what she's done is right. Yeah. Um, and then she To dresses, her. Yeah. Um, and then she dresses herself up in these, in these robes that she's sort of, we previously Veggie. seen her 
the bed sheets that she's turned into ropes, basically is what they are, and takes this vat of, is it acid or? Acetone. Acetone, yeah. Which is so it's like a, like with paint thinner, it's like a nail varnish, uh, nail polish remover. Yeah. And um, um, one of its features. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very flammable. flammable. Yeah. So she, and she walks down onto the beach. Um, I think a lot of this was filmed in Scarborough. Um, okay. Because for a while I was, I was trying to figure out when, where it was meant to be set, but then it becomes very clear that, oh no, this is Britain. Um, yeah. Because Amanda is American for a start, which is a bit, it sort of threw me a little bit, but there you go. Um, yeah, it sort of caught me off guard a little bit at the start because I was like, where is this? And then I saw some road signs and I was like, England? Yeah, but then also it, the, um, the amusement arcade thing on the beach was called Coney Island. Yeah. And I thought, oh, so is it actually Coney Island this is meant to be? <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, so why would you call it Coney Island if it wasn't Coney Island? That's weird. Anyway, um, it's yeah, Scarborough. <laughs> she's walking down the beach and people and you can start to see in the corners of the of the shot people start to react to her being there yeah um she's and then seeing, she, she's um, seeing like this this event in the sky yeah like the clouds twisting and like part like which, creating some sort of portal for her and she yeah. walks towards it which appears throughout the film in like a few key sort of scenes as well yeah uh, and it's like it appears in the sky it starts appearing in drinks at one point yeah yeah, um, yeah. and then yeah you start to see things from two perspectives then you like very clearly two perspectives of Maud's perspective and other people's perspective mm. because people are just walking around acting normally as they would on a beach like holding hands and running and doing what they do yeah and then you see that Maud is very, very slowly, very calmly and very peacefully walking along. And then she sort of finds the right spot. Yeah. Um, and then she opens up this bottle and starts pouring on her head. And that's immediately when the change and people are like, right. People are like, Some, what's she doing? Someone check if she's okay. Something's going to go happen. Yeah, something's stopping her. You hear, and again, you only hear these like voices coming from off camera. You never see anyone say anything. Um, no, but you just you you're aware of that group of people, um, yeah. And then um, another it- sort of thematic thing that throughout the film is is that she's got a lighter with her yeah. that she's flicking this lighter, so it's like, and you think, oh, we presumably she used to smoke, yeah. And, and then and you see Amanda as a chain smoker, which they set up very early on that she's constantly. So this idea of a, a, a flicker of light coming, you know, a, a lighter, it's constant, this motif throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then she does it. And then she, you know, she immolates herself. Um, um, but from her, again, there's a moment from where from her see, perspective, it's yeah. an ascension. And you see these wings comes out, which, again, they, they link, they'd already set up these wings in the previous scene where they're this, like, yellow light um yeah and that that makes up these wings that she has on the back so like in her mind she's becoming this you know effigy of a celestial celestial yeah yeah, of a um to a point where all the people gather around her there's a shot where they're all like kneeling at her feet because she feels like she is becoming a saint yeah she's being canonized and that's that's what's happening um but then in the most brutal and the yeah again they've done this throughout the whole film of having these harsh cuts back to reality they do one final one where it just cuts back and it's just her burning and screaming for and then, all, like, almost a single frame it's like a millisecond and it's just it, there's no like all all the you know imagery of the of the night the niceness of it all that's all gone it's just a woman on fire screaming in pain and it looks real yeah. and it looks fucking you know terrifying and then it cuts to black and it's directed and written directed by rose glass and that's yeah. it there's no music it's just it's fucking, yeah again as a fucking as a like a mic drop this is the end yeah. of the movie piece it's unreal um fuck <laughs> i just yeah just was astonished yeah with i think that everyone not, was. not just I mean, we were not in just cinema, what, what happened in... but it was like the bravery of it because you and I just didn't say anything for about five minutes. Yeah. And you could hear people like 
<clears throat> like mumbling to themselves in like disbelief and like the sort of shocked mutterings. Yeah, it was just still going on. Yeah, um, it was yeah, it was fucked. It was there. Everyone like because it wasn't exactly a massive, um, massively packed cinema. I mean, no, but there was a few people there, and you could just tell. Yeah, it had an effect in the room because it was just that. Yeah, it was. It was and this is what I was saying about like it's sort of to call it horror cheapens it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's not so much the horror in so much as the, like a genre way, but it's the it's it left you horrified. Yeah. And it's I don't know how to sort of define that because like like well, as you said earlier, like calling it a horror film feels reductive. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the thing. I, that's why I'd say psychological horror because it's hmm. um, it's the horror of what can go on in your own head. It's the horror of you know your own yeah neuroses and how they can manifest themselves and all the rest of it. Which is like I said before again is my favourite kind of horror um, because yeah. to me it's the most real. Um, yeah. But I feel like yeah like and again as I've said before, if you can call something like that Swan a horror film, you can call Saint Maud a horror film. Um, yeah. it just it takes that idea of the the darkness within people's own heads and in, in a number of instances shows them in very graphic and you know filmic ways so you know the, we in St. Maud we get things like she has wings and she sets herself on fire and, she, and she's a you know a, an angel in Black Swan she literally turns into a giant black swan yeah doesn't literally happen, but that's how she sees it. But so, do you know what I mean? So, the, the, um, in that sense, they're both horror films. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean. And that's the thing. Like the, the the Black Swan thing always got to me because I, I it was I always sort of saw it as like metaphorical. Yeah, and that's but kind of, then, yeah. But with St. Maud, it was more of a. I don't know. Like the the metaphors are there, but the metaphor only exists to her rather than us yeah which well, yeah which is amazing made both incredible as well but like i yeah i agree completely with what you say like if one is one then so is the other yeah yeah <sighs> well yeah man so that was saint maud i mean i don't know if there's much else to say really probably not no. Um, I mean, how, long, been, how long have we been going for? Know, have we talked for the entire length of the movie? We might have done. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it for St. Maud. Um, yeah. If that in any way, everything that we've talked about appeals to you. I mean, you, if you're listening now, then you either have seen it and are just interested in what we thought about the ending or you don't care. But <laughs> either yeah. way, um, St. Maud is what it is. Um, maybe check it out. Next uh, week or the next episode we're going to put out we're going to talk about uh, Train to Busan or the sequel to Train to Busan which is Peninsula um, yeah. which is the much it's been it's been in development for a while it's this sequel to this wicked Korean um, zombie movie which came out a few years ago um, and they've made the sequel which is by the looks of it mental um, we've seen a trailer for it and it's uh, there are some limited screenings of it here in the UK so we're going to go and see one of them and we'll talk about that next week um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, it was oh. one of those moments when I saw it and I was like wait that's the same franchise? yeah it's, yeah, it's crazy it's crazy um, it's, it's gone completely fucking apeshit <laughs> yeah but you um, know, like like we were saying before, I'm here for it. Like, I'm totally here for it. And again, like it, it, as a comparison piece with St. Maud, it could not be further away. But <laughs> roughly, again, if you're talking about like horror films and, and this being the season of horror, um, it's quite good to have those two together as just complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Um, cool. That, thanks for listening, guys. Um, we're back. We're going to keep trying to find stuff to talk about. Um, if you've got any suggestions of things that we haven't covered, um, yeah. then let us know. Um, Drop us a line. We are getting into slim pickings. You know, we are yeah, going I mean, to have to start delving into shutters. I think we've done quite well, considering this is a year where there are no fucking films out to keep <laughs> this film podcast going. Um, yeah. so we've done all right, but we're, there are going to be some other things. Um, and there are going to be TV as well. I mean, we've already covered um, Mandalorian season one. 
Mandalorian yeah. season two is starting next week. So it won't be long before there'll be things like that. So maybe we'll start um, covering some TV stuff. Um, and same with his dark materials is coming in uh, November as well. Um, yes. Yeah. So we'll see. Oh, I'd forgotten about all the telly bits. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe with it, that might be our saving grace to as we get towards the end of the year because, <laughs> as you said, there's fuck all coming out, man. Yeah, nothing. We're trying. We're trying. There are there are a couple of other things that I I I'm gonna suggest that we could possibly do. Yeah, absolutely. in the interim, we can do but, some brand um, new watches and stuff like that. And um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that's how you know that's where that's go, back our, uh, go back to our roots. It's our bread and butter. Yeah, that's where we started. Absolutely. But um, yeah, we've got a lot of things that we could uh, address. One thing that I really, 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 really want to come out right now is the Green Knight because oh, yeah. A24 are making that's that. That's A24 as well. As well. I remember seeing the trailer for that. Fucking bananas. Oh, shit. What happened to that? That's just got pulled. Oh, it's, well, no, it's still coming out. Oh, yeah, well. Late 2020, apparently. So because um, St. Maud is being released internationally in 2021. Okay, so it's getting its release here, but also, also A twenty four did first cow. Okay, fair enough. Yes. Yep. Okay, the the one to watch. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, thanks for <laughs> listening. Um, let us know if you've got any ideas of what we can do, or do. Um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah. See you next time. Bye. Bye. She was like, oh, let's find a good pub. But she said it in a way that it sounded a bit like Ray Winston. So I spent the rest of the afternoon talking like Ray Winston and suggesting we go to a good boozer. Okay, get down, boozer. Have a few snacks and a few jars. Gampy, my favourite. <laughs> Gampy, my favourite.